How are you going this afternoon, Sarah? I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you? I'm awesome. I'm super stoked to have you. And I am very happy I didn't butcher your name on that. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about in Australia, S-A-R-A is Sarah, but in America, it's Sarah. So it's an easy name, but hard to wrap my head around. <laughs> it's funny because I come from a CrossFit background and there's a pretty well-known CrossFitter from Australia. She is K-A-R-A. And in the US, you would say Kara, like Sarah, mm. but she's Kara. And yeah. so that's like, I feel like was a big learning curve for a lot of people in the US just to get used to the differences, but it's all good. Yeah. It is Kara. Kara mm-hmm. would, I, I don't think I've ever heard of a Kara in Australia, but mm-hmm. that's all right. We have fun with it. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. I appreciate you thinking about it. Yeah. It's amazing to have you on the podcast though. You, of course, a extremely fit person, crossfitting all the things, but you also have Thank a strong, you. strong kind of like nutrition background as well. And you're really big on that habit formation. But the way I start every holistic fitness podcast is I feel like anyone that goes into any field, whether it's fitness, stress management, nutrition, there's some sort of backstory. So what's the context that I would need to know about your life to know why you help people in the way you do today? Mm. Yeah. Oh, um, is it okay if it's a little longer? <laughs> yeah, usually they are longer. <laughs> like usually you know, there's a big story. <laughs> it is. And I was just like, wow, where do I even start? Okay, so um, I grew up a swimmer. Um, and so I swam since I was eight years old, um, maybe even earlier than that. But as far back as I remember, eight years old, swam through high school, swam in college. And, um, and then when I graduated... I wasn't doing anything for like the first time in my life. There was no structured fitness. There was no, you know, um, practice to go to or competitions or anything like that. And I was uh, in the process of getting a master's degree for education. Um, And so I was like teaching all day and then going to class at night and trying to figure out how to go to the gym and it was a real struggle. Mm. So anyway, after I graduated from that and, and luckily got a, a teaching job, um, it, it, life just looked different. And so I was like going to the gym, but it was like going on the elliptical and not really knowing what to do. There was a, no plan. Um, and I was gaining weight and not feeling good about it and not knowing what to eat. And my boyfriend at the time was very supportive um, and and tried to help me as best as he could. But I was like literally laying on the couch every night crying, being like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't like where this is heading, right? Where you just like feel different than I've ever experienced in my life as far as confidence is concerned, my like physical body is concerned, um, my lack of structure as far as fitness or or nutrition or anything of that nature. Um, was. And, and so I was really struggling. So he had at the time um, joined a CrossFit gym down the street. And I was like, I don't want to do that. It's too <laughs> hard. I don't want to work hard. I was like, all this crap that was like, you know, just the chatter looking for potentially the easier way out, right? Like, how can yes. I get what I want without actually trying hard? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I finally was like, all right, I'll go check out the gym. So I go and like from minute one, like loved it. So started going to the gym, was starting to like see the changes I was looking for, or at least was like feeling more comfortable in my skin because of the effort that I was putting into fitness, right? 
Um, this was a completely new form of exercise for me, right? It was like weightlifting and barbells and, you know, running, which literally I had never done any of those things. It was like swimming and that was it. (laughs) Um, so it was totally different. And so it like felt very much like I had when I was swimming competitively because it had a lot of the similar, um, you know, vibes or efforts, but there was a comp, the competitive nature. There was, you know, competing with myself, competing with others, trying new things, um, you know, figuring out what I felt like I was good at, you know, all these things were very exciting. So, um, skipping forward just a smidge, right? I'm, I've been crossfitting for four years at this point. I've been teaching for four years at this point. Right. And I, uh, got, I got interested in coaching CrossFit. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I did some education around it, got certified. I started coaching part-time at the gym I was working at. It was super fun, but now I was teaching all day and then coaching at night and, and it was great, but it was like a lot. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So the owner of the gym at the time was asking basically what it would take for me to quit my teaching job and become a coach at the gym full-time. So this was what, 2015 now at this time. Um, and you know, we, we had some conversation and back and forth and came to like a a number and, and, you know, a a situation that made sense for both of us. Um, Mm. and I left teaching and, uh, which a lot of people thought maybe still think was pretty crazy, right? You leave like, yeah, yeah. Right. It's a big change. And, you know, you have a pension, you have a, a schedule, you know, you know, how much money you're making, whatever. And in, you know, for a lot of people, this CrossFit coaching gym management position that I was moving into um, wasn't a real job, right? Yes. Like, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So anyway, um, that was 2015. And I started coaching full-time and, and managing other aspects of the gym and loved it and got really, really into CrossFit and um, competing and everything. And then got to the point where it was like, I need to figure out or understand how to eat to help my performance, right? Certainly mm. some of it was aesthetic and, and body composition concerned. Um, like I cared what I looked like. I, I, I still do, but <laughs> at the time mm. it was part of like my focus, right? Um, but in addition to that, or maybe even more so, it was how do I eat to support my fitness? And it, I realized that this was nothing I was ever taught not all through growing up swimming, not even in college. There was never conversation about anything nutrition related. And so I started doing research and taking classes and, you know, getting different certifications as far as the nutrition aspect is concerned. Um, Mm. And found that, you know, trying different things in my own life was super exciting. And, and, you know, is this approach effective? What if I eat this now? How do I feel? you know, different, different, um, self-studies, if you will. Yes. So then from there, uh, I started coaching people at the gym in nutrition. Like, you know, I did some lecture type things and, you know, recommended different plans for people based on what their goals were. Um, Mm. and that was really exciting as well. So it was kind of like within this coaching fitness, there was this subset of coaching nutrition, which was really exciting. Um, so that just was, its own like little subset there for a while. And then come like right before the start of the pandemic, the gym um, was trying to shift 
to like an online model or at least less in-person work. Mm. And, you know, for lack of better words, I got fired (laughs) from the coaching position and, and found that to be a perfect opportunity to transition to coaching and working in the nutrition field full-time. So long, long story uh, is summarized is like right at the beginning of the pandemic is when I uh, established my own business, the Nutrition for Life Project. And I have been coaching people one-on-one in small group settings at gyms. Um, I'm working on an ebook right now, which is um, ideally coming out like the end of May, which is exciting. Um, and have been doing that now for what, three, almost three full years now. Um, Mm. and it's been really exciting. So I still CrossFit on my own. Um, I don't coach fitness as much now, but, um, definitely more of a nutrition focus, but yeah, that's more or less my story. (laughs) Um, What a cool story as well, Sarah. Like I love all of the different kind of layers to it as well. And I think like so many different people can relate to your story in so many different ways. I think the first is when you were feeling bad on your couch. Oh my gosh, yeah. (laughs) You had just like... I feel like I had a couple of quarter life crises in my mm, mid-20s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that to me is an indicative of you ticked off all the things that you felt like you were meant to do. And then mm. you were just like freaking lost. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. Can you like explain to me in that scenario, like why you didn't want to work hard? Why mm. like getting on the elliptical was so much easier than like heading to a CrossFit class? Yeah. And th- this is really funny because to your point... I was trying the things I thought I was supposed to be doing, right? Like, you right. know, trying to trying to cut calories and and trying to just do the elliptical and, you know, sweat, right? Like that mindset. Not that there's anything wrong with the elliptical. It just that was all I was doing and it was yes. probably, you know, probably half-assed anyway, you know. <laughs> anyway, um it yeah, it it became you know, I think it was like I had worked hard in my mind for so long swimming Mm. and all of this. And I just felt like it should be easier, but equally because of the swimming I had been doing, it was so structured. It was so much time. And I think in my mind, it was like, no, I just, I did that. And this is the result I had, right. I felt good. You know, I, I looked what I thought was good at the time. I learned a lot since then, but regardless, um, and, and I thought it should just be the same. Right. I should just be able to do something and get a a result that I'm looking for. And Mm. and that is not real. (laughs) Um, I mean, in college, I was like, we practiced like 20 hours a week, which is crazy when you think about like the average human does not have 20 hours to do fitness. And and so I was thinking that my elliptical efforts was the same as that. (laughs) And I wanted the same result. And so, and so in my mind, it was I'm not doing anything. Like, I'm not going to do anything harder than this. And that's mm. crazy. Um, you know, like expecting the same results that I got from doing an extremely different approach. Mm. Yeah. So, um, and I think too, it was like, you know, I'm, I'm working now. I, 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 I shouldn't have to try hard. I should just be able to go to the gym for, you know, 45 minutes, do my cardio and go home and call it a day. Right. Mm. Um, and then at the same time, I was thinking that the cutting calories type approach that I was thinking I was doing, <laughs> um, it also felt like, oh, this should be good enough. 
And mm-hmm. it, and that's not real either. So I think it was like a tough pill to swallow at the time of like, yes. oh, you're not actually doing what you think you're doing. Um, mm-hmm. And and that was a, a, a reality check. <laughs> Exactly. No, I totally, I'm totally with you. And I feel like a lot of people listening, especially those in corporate jobs or nine Mm. to fives or nine to sixes, or eight to sixes, whatever, whatever your daily job is, they put in so much cognitive effort at work. And then you've got your social lives, you've got your family, you've got your bloody grocery shopping, Mm -hmm. like all the adulting we have to do as well. We work so hard cognitively. Um, it feels like we shouldn't have to work as hard with our body because we've already feel like we've worked so hard. So that's why that stress management is so important. Mm -hmm. I'm really curious about this extra layer of like eating less and then doing the 40 minutes on the elliptical. Why does that approach not work for most people? Yeah. Um, I'll start with the, the eating less approach. I think twofold on this. One is I think for most of us, it's not a sustainable approach, right? perpetually starving yourself or thinking that you can't have a snack or you need to have less or any of these ideas that we might have around restriction um, are just not sustainable, right? And then I think the second layer to that is many times we are cutting back on or trying to eat less of the quote-unquote wrong things, right? We're Mm -hmm. trying to eat smaller meals when in reality, the hearty meals are probably what we should prioritize right? And, and some of those macronutrients that we need as opposed to cutting it back on ice cream or whatever, fill in the blank. Um, and so between those two things, I think the unsustainability and then the cutting of the wrong things um, get tricky. And on top of both of those, I, I also imagine that for many of us, it's a misconception about what we think we're doing versus what's actually happening, right? Like what is the accuracy of what we're actually consuming? Um, You know, I hear from people all the time. I've said this myself is like, I feel like I'm eating less, but I'm not seeing results, right? It's the, I feel like, and the lack of accuracy about what's actually happening, right? Um, I think it's something like 20% is the, uh, inaccuracy of what we think we're eating versus what we're actually eating. Right. So mm, if, wow. if, do you know, like, and I, um, I could probably bring up a, the actual study information for you, but I'm pretty sure it's that 20%. Um, so like, if you were to say, you know, Sarah, I'm really struggling with my body composition. I think I'm eating this much. You may be eating up to 20% more than that. And so my point is that we benefit from increased accuracy about what we're having and really understanding what it means to eat certain amounts. Um, and, and then what that equates to as far as like our actual experience. So I kind of jumped ahead a little bit, but, um, but yeah, I think that's the biggest thing, or that was my biggest thing, uh, at the moment during that experience. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I love that. And for anyone listening who hasn't been on my fitness pal for five to ten years, I promise you it's better now. Like you can literally just take a photo of your meal. Like a lot of people are scared of calorie no, counting, but I'm with you. Real. Yeah. It's a really good tool to kind of like understand what you're putting in. You don't yep. have to calorie count forever, but do it for this, at least one exactly or two it. months. That's exactly <laughs> it. I think when when you first bring up this idea for people, and certainly with this all being said, it's not right for some people. Okay, if you, you know, different experiences with food, different backgrounds, I get it. And if you've never done it before, the reality 
of uh, what you might learn is huge, right? Um, and you're right, my fitness pal is much better now. <laughs> it's um, so much better than it used to be. When I first yeah. became a trainer, I like was like, yeah, you should count your calories, but I know it's not really intuitive, but it's so intuitive <laughs> now. <laughs> um, yeah, and you're right, and it's better. Um, I think too, on top of that, you know, yes, calories matter. And at the same time, one of the things that I really focus on in my conversation with people is understanding the breakdown of our food, right? What does it mean to get enough protein? How do we balance across proteins, fats, and carbs? Because, you know, you could eat 1800 calories and, and be, you know, very heavy carbs and not there's anything wrong with carbs, but you could also eat 1800 calories that have an appropriate protein intake and see very different outcomes as far as your physical, you know, physical form. And so I think Mm. it's that understanding of what the calories mean and how they break down for each of us personally, that's also important. Um, And again, like you said, um, if you've not done it before, checking in with what you're actually having for a month or two, not even with the intention of changing anything, but just for gaining that knowledge um, and, and better understanding about what you are having. I think that's huge. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Something I love about the eat less approach as well. And I'm not sure if you do this with clients. Let me know if you do is just mm-hmm. by like seeing what you can add to your meals rather than taking away. So let's just say you have cereal for breakfast, mm-hmm. not my thing, but it might be your thing. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, maybe I replace the milk with the yogurt or I keep the milk, but I add yogurt to get more protein and stuff like that. I love that adding approach. I think that's huge too, because in, in my experience and working with people and my personal experience, I think this idea of like, you need to restrict in order to see results is, is really tough because it makes people push back against this idea of even thinking Mm. about their food. Right. And I think that also the idea of restriction really negatively impacts our relationship with food, right? We get into the like, screw it mentality because we don't even want to think about it. Because what we think is, oh, I'm going to have to take the ice cream out of my food and I really enjoy ice cream. It's like, no, me too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but how does, it, how does it fit, right? Um, and so, yeah, to your point, when I work with people, a lot of the first steps are making sure we have the things that we need before we even think about adjusting portions or, or adjusting any foods that we have, right? Is it how much water are you drinking? How many fruits and veggies are we having? And a lot of times it's adding, right? How much protein Mm. are you having? Um, And it's making sure that we have enough of or that we are including these things, not restricting items. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, because that's a lot less overwhelming. And I think when you're you're starting a nutrition or a fitness journey, it's additional stress. Changing Mm -hmm. your routines is additional stress, even if it's positive stress. So what are ways that you can eliminate stress? And one of those is moving from that restrictive mindset to that, you know, what can I add? How can I add more value to my diet rather than what can I take away? Yeah. And I mean, how emotional is our connection with food? Yes. Right? We use food to celebrate. We use food when we're sad. We use food when we're stressed. And, And that's all normal, right? But so when we have this thought about changing our food plan, it can it can be really tough because we have the emotional response to making changes. So mm-hmm. it becomes much easier to think about making adjustments when it's like, oh, I just have to add an additional serving of fruit to this meal. I don't have to not eat the cereal, right? Yes. Or whatever the items are. Yeah. So it becomes less of a, um, you know, experience 
stress-wise, emotionally, when you think about it that way. Are you tired of constantly feeling burnt out while trying to achieve your goals? Do you find yourself struggling to maintain motivation and productivity over long periods of time? I'd like to introduce you to the Goal Getting Journal, the ultimate solution for those of you who want to surpass their goals without burning out. Our journal is designed to help you set achievable goals, track your progress, and maintain a healthy work-life balance. With our journal, you'll discover practical strategies for managing stress, staying motivated, and avoiding burnout, including time blocking, habit stacking, and so much more. You'll also learn how to prioritize your tasks and maximize your productivity so you can get more done in less time. The goal-getting journal is perfect for anyone who wants to achieve their goals without sacrificing their mental health and well-being. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a student, or just someone who wants to make any positive change in your life, the goal-getting journal can help you stay on track and avoid burnout. And for Holistic Fitness Podcast listeners, you can get 20% off your first journal using the code HF podcast. Go to goalgettingjournal.com and type HF podcast at checkout to get your discount. So what are you waiting for? Order the Goal Getting Journal today and start getting your goals without burning out. You bring up a really good point about how emotional eating and even drinking are. I was actually having a conversation yesterday with my friend about our favorite days to drink. And mine's Friday. Like I love Friday after work beers and like Fridays are my favorite time to drink. Fridays, then Sundays, then Uh Saturdays. All the other days are trash. Uh Yeah, I know. It's a hot take. It's a hot take. (laughs) But if somebody, if I went to a dietitian and they said, you've got to stop having Friday beers, Mm -hmm. that would be, I'm not saying that would be hard. But if, if someone was to say that like, you can never have Friday beers again, or like that is a big emotional kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So when you're working with people and maybe they have like a Friday pizza night or they have, you know, Friday beers like me or whatever it is, how do you help them with their habits and routines to both get their goals, but also find space for things they enjoy? Yeah. And, and I think it's part of, um, perspective on this, right? So let's say, you know, pizza night, it's, it's Friday drinks, whatever it is. I think my favorite time to drinks are like weekend brunches. Like let's yes. have morning drinks. That's my favorite. Yeah. Um, because then you've got so much more time in the day for activities. You might burn great, them yeah. off. Oh, yeah. a mimosa. Mm, that's my, that's my, anyway. Um, that. <laughs> um, no, but I, I think it's perspective, right? Yes. Because when we, when we look at the week, uh, we're talking about, you know, 21 to 28 meals and snacks, drinks that we have over the course of the week, right? So if yes. if you're like, Sarah, my thing is, you know, I love Friday pizza night. I love Friday beers. That's like 10% of your food choices during the week or less. Mm. So if we can say like, oh, Lori, all you have to do is understand what the rest of the week looks like, then you can still have those drinks you know, on the weekend and or on Friday night, and it's not going to derail the big picture, right? Mm. And I also think that's important because for a lot of people, the Friday drinks become like, now I'm just going to eat whatever I want for all day Saturday and Sunday because I already had the drinks on Friday, right? Yes. And Or I'm going to have um, the whole pint of ice cream after those drinks because I already <laughs> had the drinks, right? And And in reality... If we can embrace the drinks or the pizza as part of our routine, understand that it fits, right? That it's a small portion of the whole week. And that otherwise, if we stay, you know, within the realm of our food plan or our approach, then those things are are totally fine. 
um, you know, if you had a bodybuilding competition on Saturday, I probably wouldn't recommend the drinks on Friday, but that's a (laughs) unique occurrence, right? That's a one time thing that you would have to care about. Right. So I think it's the perspective is really key. Um, you know, and if, if you get working on towards your goals and, and you're like, well, I have five beers every Friday and it's like, well, can we have four? Mm. And if that really, it's not have zero, it's, it's potentially adjusting the quantity, but that's also the down the line solution, right? Yes. It's, it's still working on everything else first. Does that make sense? Totally. That, that makes total sense. So it's not allowing the Friday beers to um, derail your whole weekend yes. because mm-hmm. now you have that perspective. You're right. eating well 80 to 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. And it's okay that you have a bit of a break. But then if we need to refine our goals two, three months down the track, those Friday beers are in the way because actually we find out you're being quite excessive. Mm-hmm. Maybe we look at reducing in that circumstance when we've worked on the other things first. Precisely. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, and this I think goes back again to the things that people think they're going to have to remove, right? Yes. So it's like it, a lot of times, you know, like you said, if you went to a, a nutrition specialist, a dietitian, whatever, and they were like, you got to remove the beers. How excited are you to jump into that plan? If you're like, wow, this one thing I really enjoy during, during the week, she tells me I got to remove, you know, <laughs> does that make you really excited to try, you know, the plan? Um, but those are the things that you think you're going to be told that you need to do. And, and maybe that is for some nutrition approaches, but that's not my perspective or my experience. I really think that the lifestyle pieces that we value, we have to embrace mm-hmm. because otherwise it won't be sustainable, which is key. So, yeah. Exactly. It's just like um, fitness. The best program to, to yes. do is the program you will do. Yep. <laughs> I 100% believe that as well. Yes. Yeah. 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 Speaking of, CrossFit was a program that you fell in love with. So I'm quite curious as to why CrossFit. Mm. Was it the actual exercise or were there certain things that you identified with your personality that fit well with CrossFit? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. I think it was partially like right place, right time. Right. Thinking back to that story I told at, at the beginning, it was a challenging thing that was brought to my attention at the right time. Like I needed something. I didn't know Mm -hmm. I needed it. I didn't think I needed it, but I needed it. Um, And here's the thing too about it. It was a lot of things I had never done. I had never tried. And I was like kind of good at it at the beginning, you know? (laughs) And yeah, thank you. And, and, um, And so I think it was like that challenge of like, oh, this is how you do, you know, barbell cleans and I had never touched a barbell before. And it's like super exciting to try to learn new things. Um, and I also did get pretty good at it and, and competed, um, at relatively high levels, levels within the CrossFit space. And so that also filled that kind of excitement, competitive need. Um, and, and being good was also exciting, right? Like it felt good to, to do well. Um, and, and with that being said, for the body composition changes that I was looking for, it was appropriate. Um, you know, I was looking for that like leaner toned kind of muscular look, you know, I've always been kind of thick and, and so embracing that was exciting and, um, you know, and feeling like it was, uh, it was desired to be like a strong looking woman 
where growing up trying to be like stick thin was the, was the thing. And so mm-hmm. moving into a space where it was like, no, like this is awesome. And it, and I felt good about it. Like all of those things combined, I think was what really made it exciting for me. Um, and now over the years, right. Like I still do CrossFit now, um, whatever that is eight to you know, well, not even 11 years later, but it looks Congrats. much different. Thank you. It looks much different though, right? And to your point, the fitness program that's most appropriate is the one you're going to do. So, you know, I work out in my garage now um, with some dumbbells, some kettlebells. I do have a barbell, but like I make it work for where I am now, right? I just had mm. a baby four weeks ago and I'm just Congrats. starting. Thank you. Just starting to like move back into like movement. And the fact that CrossFit still fits within a, you know, appropriate capacity is also really exciting. You know, I worked out my whole pregnancy, not the same way I did, you know, five years ago, which is also really cool. Um, so I think it's like that versatility as well that I've come to appro- appreciate as the years have gone on. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I love that story. So it sounds like for you, it was like the stimulation of new things to learn, something that's quite versatile, something that didn't just scratch like your aesthetic goals, but also functional yes. goals. Yep. And let's not lie, like we all like to do things we're good at. So finding <laughs> the thing you were good yep. at as well. <laughs> yeah. And that, you know, and that was super exciting. It's like, you know, as I was decent as a swimmer in the, in the, um, you know, capacity that I was in, uh, but at the same time, like being decent at CrossFit was also exciting in its own right years later. Right. And, and I also had thought that that competitive nature was done. You know, like if you had asked me when I graduated college, if I was going to be competing in anything in the rest of my life, I would have said definitely not. Right. And so, and so bringing that back was also great. Yeah. I love that. Do you have any like base principles or thoughts about how people listening might find the thing that they love? Mm, This is really good. Um, This is, I would say try things. Um, Mm -hmm. Go to classes with your friends, go to, you know, do a workout with them. Um, And even, even research uh, like based on activities that you like to do, or even mindsets that you have, what types of things might be appropriate, right? If you're, you know, someone who likes to do longer endurance pieces, like, could there be a biking thing that's appropriate for you? That's a bigger, you know, longer undertaking. Um, You know, if you're someone who needs to get a workout in, in 10 minutes, and that's all you have, then maybe that quicker CrossFit type workout is appropriate for you in and out and done. Right. Mm. Um, And so I think trying things is huge. Researching based on your own likes is huge. And I, I will never um, not recommend walking, right? If you (laughs) don't know, if you really don't know what to do, go on a walk, seriously, put a podcast in, read a book, you know, listen to a book, whatever, listen to music. Um, But I think walking is so underrated and, you know, 99% of people can do that, right? Yes. Uh, So when in doubt, go for a walk. I think that's a severely underrated form of fitness. Um, that not enough of us do. So yeah. Yes, I love that. I actually, you and I are so aligned. I posted yesterday to my Instagram a graphic of like running, highly overrated, walking, highly underrated. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I agree, right? Um, How often do you know people who get injured walking versus running versus biking versus fitness? And again, not to say anything wrong with all those other forms of exercise, but 
I think this is very similar to the nutrition pieces that we were just talking about, right? When you talk about starting a fitness program, people think it has to be this zero to hundred drastic thing. Like, oh, I got to go run a 10K now. And it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> if you want to yes. run a 10K, great work up to it, you know, but it doesn't have to be starting with a really aggressive, you know, run or approach to fitness. Um, it can be walking as effective. Yeah, I think it's mm. huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love those principles. When in doubt, go for a walk. Uh, you know, Google, I did gymnastics based yep. on that. What might I, what might I do? 100%, Pilates yep. or something, yep. yeah. I, but exactly. And maybe you never even thought to explore Pilates, right? And now you're yeah. going to try a class. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I love that. I do need to share a funny story though. When Please. you mentioned that like people don't get injured from walking. My grandmother, oh, <laughs> my grandmother, oh, she's no. like... 73 or 74. She's a machine. She walks like three to five miles every single day. Goes on like hour to hour and a half long walks. She's in her 70s. She's like, this is my fitness. My fitness is walking. And I'm like, yes, walk. Walk as often as you can. Oh, grandma. That's awesome. (laughs) But she checked a text while she was walking and she fell up the gutter and fractured her arm. So don't check your text while walking is the moral (laughs) of that story. Oh my gosh. Poor poor grandma. And I'm sorry I said that because I guess you could get injured doing anything, right? But um, the probability is lower though. (laughs) Yeah. And now that you say that, my mom went on a walk and uh, it was it was um, snowing out. And so she had winter boots on and one of the laces got caught oh, on the no. other shoe and very similar. She didn't fracture anything, but she had a good fall. So I guess I shouldn't have oh, spoken too soon, you know, but here's the thing, right? It, and <laughs> I think pushback against fitness is that people don't right. want to get injured, right? It's like, I yes. don't want to do that because I don't want to get hurt. And it's like, you can get hurt doing anything. Exactly. That we can't just limit I mean, and here's the thing. I don't want you to go to the extremes of like, you know, lifting 500 pounds off of the ground when you've never done something like that before. Yeah, you probably are going to get injured. But can you get injured doing anything, right? I used to coach CrossFit, as you know, and this guy who was pretty strong came into the gym and he's like, yeah, I hurt my back. I got to adjust some things. And it's like, fine, we can adjust whatever you need to. What'd you do? Like, did you deadlift heavy? You know, whatever. He's like, oh, I was moving the laundry basket from, you know, one thing to the other. And it's like, you know, and, and what a funny thing is this guy works out hard, lifts a bunch of weights, but he gets injured moving the laundry basket. Yes. <laughs> it's like his life, you know, but uh, I, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. I think that I will get injured is not just like personal limiting beliefs, but limiting mm-hmm. beliefs that others will project onto you. You yes. might say, hey, I'm trying to CrossFit. And you mm-hmm. know what? I was an F45 coach for a long time and people like, oh, F45, don't do, do weird movements. Don't people get injured a lot? And it's like, well, you know, it's not one-on-one training. So the coaches aren't as dialed in on you. Mm-hmm. But also like if you try to lift too much, if you don't warm up, if you don't warm down, like there are risks to any training, including right. walking. But hey, right. I'm right. sure that people aren't preventing walking <laughs> to the grocery store to get their groceries. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and you're right. You know, I, I got a lot of pushback for that kind of thing. And, and I had, you know, two injuries when I, over my years of CrossFit too. But, you know, if you think about, anybody who's doing anything for an extended period of time, the chances of having something come up are pretty high. Um, Mm. But also understanding, you know, rehab and and what you can do to support that injury in the future. That's all part of the equation, I think, as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you need to ask yourself, like, this is actually something corporate. So recently, Mm -hmm. I needed to do a presentation and it was scripted. Mm -hmm. And I was like, is the risk of being un- 
scripted greater or is the risk of sounding a little bit scripted greater? And the risk of saying the wrong thing was actually greater. So I I did it scripted and I feel like it's the same with fitness. Mm. Is the risk of doing a workout routine that you enjoy and preventing risk to injury greater or are the risks of not not exercising at all and maybe running into preventative illness like most cardiovascular disease is preventable illness greater so I think we do need to ask ourselves those long-term versus short-term questions sometimes and we know that a certain level of like medium and higher and lower intensity exercise is really important for our overall health yeah if you've not made a post on that philosophy yet. I definitely think you should, because I really liked how you just said that, you know, (laughs) what is the risk, right? Is it, you know, and certainly we don't want to push people to do things that are outside their realm of, you know, capacity or ability. Um, That's not what either of us are saying, but, you know, within reason, we really have to take into, you know, into account risk versus reward, especially when we have the data right? Mm. We, we know that walking six to 8,000 steps per day decreases all, all form of, you know, mortality. Like that's a fact now that we know. Yeah. So, so to push back against that and be like, nope, I'm not going for any steps today. That's really tough, right? Yes. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. You're like, okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. I love this conversation. Something oh, thank else. You. I'm enjoying it. Go ahead. Yeah. It's really awesome. Something <laughs> else I was really curious about though, that you mentioned towards the end of your intro story was you started getting curious about eating to improve performance. Yes. Can you explain to me? I've... Like I've heard of that, but I haven't had any of my guests speak about this and and speak about like what they learned in terms like we're talking a lot about eating to lose weight or eating to like balance macro macros mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But what did you include and maybe exclude to mm-hmm. improve your fitness performance? Really, really good question. So up to that point, a lot of the the information that I had was calorie based and was even macro-based, right? But yeah. now when we're thinking about how can we eat for performance, it's two things. One is making sure that we have an appropriate balance of macros, right? So yes, I mean, protein is hands down. We need to make sure most of us that we have enough protein in our day, right? Outside of that, we want to make sure that we're eating enough calories to support our efforts, right? So I was getting to the point where I was working out more because I had these goals to compete in different competitions that I was, you know, working towards or things like that. So, so simply making sure I was eating enough to recover was huge, right? So I actually started eating more calories than I had when I was doing, you know, more of a body composition related weight loss type approach, right? Mm. So protein is key, eating enough is key. And then um, making sure specifically that you have enough carbs in your in your food plan, and I and this was the like a biggest reality check for me because up to that point it was like carbs are evil, like you know what was it? What was the Atkins? Do you remember that? Yes, like remove I do. all. I remember carbs. those bars as well. They oh were so gosh, yummy. Yeah. They yeah. were good, right? And and <laughs> and seriously, you could include that, you know, in your food plan. But I think that that. Um, negative mindset around carbs was really hard for me to break. And mm. so when I was working on, you know, improving performance and it was like, okay, let's include some more carbs in my food plan. It was tough. And then I started seeing positive 
results from it, like higher energy. I was able to, you know, work harder for longer. I felt stronger. I was performing better. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and those kinds of, um, uh, like the results were speaking for themselves. Right. So that's one piece. Then the other piece, as far as, um, performance is concerned is around like nutrient timing. When was I eating certain things? Um, and what I ended up doing and figuring out was appropriate for me is to make sure that I had like 20 to 30 grams of carbs about 30 to 60 minutes before my workout. Right. So I, for me, it was like an apple. <laughs> that was my thing. At, you know, if I worked out at four 30, I was having an apple at three 30 because I knew it was going to like fuel my workout. Right. Mm. So, so a specifically carb source is energy. That's really helpful for me using it in the workout. Um, it, it may not be appropriate depending on what your fitness is to eat right before. So, you know, we got to take that into account, but, but again, I, that was one of those like self-study things that I did. Um, and then on top of that with nutrient timing, it was following workouts, making sure that I had a significant protein source and also more carbs for recovery. Right. So for mm-hmm. me, it ended up looking like I was working out at 4 30 PM. So again, I had the apple at 3 30. And then after I would have like a full dinner with a protein source, probably between, you know, 30 and 45 grams of protein, uh, a carb source in the form of like a rice or a heavier potato type thing, and then also vegetables. So I was having like a, like a balanced meal within two hours of my workout. Mm. Um, And so between understanding the macro breakdown and making sure I had enough food, and then the timing of what I was having, those are the two pieces that really spoke to performance for me and that I help other people figure out what looks like for them. Yeah, sorry. That's so awesome. I love that you've been able to break down the timing and and then also the macro breakdown. I am a bit curious on a few points. Mm -hmm. How much protein in general should we Mm -hmm. all be eating? Wonderful. Um, So at the bottom line, we want to think about our weight in pounds Mm -hmm. times... 0.7, right? So if I weigh 150 pounds, I multiply that by 0.7, that gets me about 105 grams of protein per day. All right. Mm -hmm. So everybody can do that for their own math. Now, depending on A, where you are right now with your protein, right? So if if 105 is my goal and I'm currently at 60, I'm going to slowly aim to work up to that 105, right? If I'm at 105 right now and my goal is to gain a bunch of muscle mass, then I can increase my protein closer to 1.0 or even 1.1 times your pounds in, in your body weight. So that would get me to like 150 grams of protein or a little bit more. Hey, Holistic Fitness fam, a quick message from one of our sponsors, Ned. As you all know, I recommend good nutrition, movement, and stress management practices before supplementing so you know what type of supplementation that your body actually needs. For me, I supplement with very few products, but Ned is one of them. I'm a type A, high-energy, ambitious business girly with massive goals, and sometimes I honestly just need to chill out and relax a bit. I've found that both Ned's de-stress and sleep blends fit in with my busy lifestyle and ambitious goals, but I was honestly not a big fan of CBD products before trying Ned, mostly because of the culture surrounding weed. I just didn't want something that was going to alter my state of mind so that I became much less of a goal-getter or less ambitious. That was until I learned about full-spectrum hemp and their benefits. 
Ned blends a chock full of premium CBD and a full spectrum hemp of active cannabinoids. Ned's full spectrum hemp oil nourishes the body's endocannabinoid system to offer functional support for stress, sleep, inflammation, and balance. These products are science-backed, nature-based solutions that offer an alternative to prescription and over-the-counter drugs. All of Ned's full-spectrum hemp oil is extracted from USDA-certified organic hemp plants grown by an independent farmer named Jonathan in Colorado. I'm obviously a big fan, but don't take just my word for it. Ned CBD products have over 2,000 five-star reviews, and they work with incredible partners in the medical field like Dr. Caroline Leaf, Dr. Christian Gonzalez, and Dr. Will Cole. Ned is providing Holistic Fitness podcast listeners a very special discount. If you'd like to give Ned a try, listeners get 15% off Ned products with the code Lori Lee. L-O-R-I-L-E-E. Thanks, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering a natural remedy to bring balance to so many people's well-being. Because you have clients and you yep. are reviewing their plans and maybe reviewing their MyFitnessPal or whatever mm-hmm. app you use, mm-hmm. are most people like under-eating and protein? Kind yeah. of, are they where they're meant to be? Like, where are most people on the spectrum? Most people under-eat protein. And wow, that yeah. surprises me. Yep. And when you think about it, it was surprising to me too. Well, first of all, it was surprising myself when I first did the math for my own needs. And I was like, and you oh, were under eating. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. Um, and it, it, I also think people, it, A, people are under eating protein, right? B, people are probably having in, in, percentage wise, more carbs than they need for what they are currently doing, right? General life. Um, And that's where, if we go back to what we were talking about earlier, the balance of proteins, fats, and carbs, right? Yes, the calories are important, but then how we break that down also matters. And that's what we're talking Mm. about right now, making sure that we have that, you know, 0.7 per pound of body weight. Most people are under eating and it's likely because those are some of the portions that they try to adjust, right? Mm-hmm. So if you think about your, uh, your breakfast, it's like, oh, I'll on- only have one egg, which is like six to eight grams of protein, not super significant, right? But you think I'm having less and that's a good thing because mm-hmm. I'm trying to lose weight, right? In reality, those 100, 105 grams of protein translate to... 420 calories. So my protein needs for a whole day are 420 calories, right? That's not the uh, place where we need to be worried about the calories we're consuming, right? Yes. And does that make sense? So when you think about your total intake, which is for most people somewhere between like 1,500 and 2,000 calories or so, those 420 calories are so insignificant, mm, right? For um, sure. Now, with that being said, I understand that there are very few foods that are just protein, but still, that's, that's the idea. Um, and so now to go back to your previous question, when I work with people to try to um, understand their protein, it's a lot of A, understanding what foods contain protein, right? Mm. And, and then understanding how we get enough for you, right? So how do we, or for me, whatever, those 105 Mm -hmm. grams, what does that look like, 
Yes. How do we break that down? How can we have snacks that, you know, support those goals? What do our portions look like at meals of protein rich foods that can get us to that? Right. Mm. Um, and, and I think those are the biggest, uh, light bulbs and difference makers, right? Because not only is protein going to help our aesthetic goals, if we have body composition goals, but it also helps with fullness, right? Protein Mm. is slower digesting. So compared to your carbs, they're going to keep you feeling fuller longer. So that reference that I used earlier about only only having one egg, right? Yes, that might be a lower caloric um, intake, but you're also going to be hungry way quicker because it's such a small amount of food. Now, if we had, let's say, one egg, a half a cup of egg whites and a yogurt, Mm. now we're talking about 30 grams of protein that's going to be a slow digesting meal, which could keep you full till lunch or or a snack, depending on what your schedule is like. Um, Yeah. Does that answer your question? Oh, definitely. Yeah. That was so helpful in terms of like, where people are kind of missing out on proteins and how to adjust their meals. We're coming up to time, but I do have one final question just on this food topic. You mentioned that, you know, carbs, we absolutely shouldn't be cutting it. And you also said in kind of the same sentence that it increased your energy. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if you did any self-study on like the impact on your mental health, energy levels, like feelings of happiness Mm -hmm. um, when you were like, like, I guess it's more subjective, but did you have any observations in terms of the more emotional stuff as you were doing this self-study? Mm-hmm. This is a great question. And and I have one kind of addition to add here, which um, in my learning, I was, uh, I thought it would be helpful to try different approaches to nutrition so that I could understand what different people were experiencing. So I did this stint of keto and which as you may know is is still a the same protein total that we're talking about but very high fat and very low carb right mm. and so i i think i was having like 30 to 50 grams of carbs per day which is literally like so low an apple <laughs> you know like that is the equivalent right and so what i was doing is i did that for 4 weeks and so it was like Monday or Sunday through Friday, I did this keto plan. And then on Saturday was what was called like a refeed day. And so you had carbs again on Saturday. Okay. And I was miserable. Wow. (laughs) My energy felt so low. My food choices were so much different than what I was used to, right? I was used to fruits and vegetables. I was used to the occasional cookies and ice cream and those kinds of things. And simply feeling like I could not have those things was not only taxing, you know, mentally, emotionally, but also energy felt so low, right? Yes, I lost weight, but it was because I was in a calorie deficit, not necessarily because of the carbs specifically, right? Yes. Um, I personally did not feel good trying to use fats as my energy source, right? That's the idea of ketosis um, is that we're using energy from fast as opposed to carbs, right? And so in a way, this was part of that self-study that you're talking about in my own experience. Um, And I think simply the restrictive nature of this plan wasn't appropriate for me. But Mm. but aside from that, it was definitely not sustainable because it didn't include foods that I enjoyed. 
um, and feeling like I couldn't go out with friends. Um, I, you know, I couldn't eat meals with other people. Like I had to make my own food for every single meal because I had to eat or I couldn't eat certain things. And that was really tough. Um, and so I, I felt very like, uh, lonely in a way, or, you know, like I was just my own (laughs) single self in this way. Um, and that was really tough. And this is not to say that keto is not appropriate for some people. Maybe it is, but for me, it was really tough and I wasn't feeling good at all. Um, Mm. that was, that was a hard time. So I, I think that kind of answers, uh, what you were saying. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So your observations of your self study is definitely like, make sure you're including the foods that you enjoy, which is for you, fruits yep. and vegetables. And your personal observations is when you, the social aspect wasn't there. And also where you didn't have carbs as a fuel source mm-hmm. that your, your mental health suffered. Yeah. And, and two, this is just one more note on this. You know, that's my tastes right? I prefer to eat more carbs than fats. That's my personal taste. If you alternatively prefer to eat more fats than carbs, that's okay. As long as that protein number is there for you. And as long as your overall calories are in a reasonable place for your goals, right? And so there is that flexibility there. That just wasn't appropriate for me. Mm. Yes. I love that. I love that note. I've really enjoyed speaking to you, Sarah. We do have a final question on this podcast. And that question is, if you were sitting across the table from your 20-year-old self, you're probably in college doing all your competitions and stuff like that. What one sentence of advice would you give her? Mm, Wow. Be more flexible. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean that in like, I... I had a belief that there was a a way things should be. Yes. And, and it took me a long time to be able to move away from that. And I still struggle with a lot of that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's probably the biggest thing is, is be more flexible, not only in my daily schedule, in my beliefs, in my uh, openness to learn new things, to try new things. um, Or just like what, what you think life should look like at that time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I guess where that's helped you though, is that you can have routines and you were able to have that structure. But I I think a place where you've actually embodied that throughout your life is this self-study that you've been speaking Mm -hmm. about. You know, you did the four weeks of keto, you tried Mm -hmm. all these different things to discover what was best for you. So you're definitely embodying that. But I also know that if your mind isn't malleable, like if you're not learning, you're not growing. So I think that's Mm -hmm. really good advice. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. I'm sure so many people just want to learn. Like there's so many more questions I could have asked you, (laughs) you know, but we're running out of time. So I would, yeah, I would just love, and I'm sure everyone listening would love to know where can we find more about your services or just get to know you a bit better? Yeah. um, Check out my Instagram. It's Nutrition for Life Project. Um, That is where I post you know, some of these philosophical things. Um, additionally, uh, I have that ebook coming out that I mentioned a few minutes ago, which if anybody's interested in that, that will be a place to find information about that. Um, I also have a website is nutritionforlifeproject.com that has, you know, more of this kind of background philosophy type thing, but also about services. I offer one-on-one coaching, small group courses, and also, um, like larger group challenges, corporate things in that nature. Um, yeah, so I, uh, that's kind of where you would find me. 
um, please feel free to send me a message on Instagram if there's anything that uh, you would like help with or more of the questions like you mentioned. Amazing. Yeah. Really appreciate having you. And I'm sure a few of us will definitely check out your socials and want to learn more. Thanks so so much much. for joining the podcast today. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. No worries. And for everyone listening at home, whether you're in the car, cleaning the house, whatever you're doing, going on a nice long walk, as Sarah (laughs) and I just mentioned, wherever you are in the world, eat well, move well, breathe well. And until next time, keep shining. 